This is Hybrid Teaching, Pedagogy, People, Politics, a serialized audiobook addressing the intersections of pedagogy and power in our connected and challenging education environment. It's the audio version of the open access collection of the same name, published in February 2021. The book features 27 chapters of provocative text addressing the intersections of critical pedagogy and digital technology in our present political moment. I'm your host, Chris Friend, from Kane University. I introduce your authors and read the occasional chapter. This podcast provides one more avenue for accessing the material from the book, which is also available as an ebook, a print-on-demand paperback, a series of articles published on the open web, and screen- and print-ready PDFs available for free on hybrid pedagogy. If this is your first visit to hybrid teaching, you should probably stop now, back up, and start with earlier episodes. What you're listening to right now is a bit of a bonus episode, designed as a thank you to folks who have tuned in and to those who have inspired the work behind this project. It's a bit of a behind-the-scenes look at how and why I made the text and audio versions of this book. If you're new to this project, I recommend listening to this podcast starting with the oldest episodes and working your way through to this one. But since you're sticking around, hello! After finishing this project, I wanted to take a moment to share some tidbits about the experience and express gratitude for those who helped along the way. I was also inspired to create this episode by two folks in particular, Ryan P. Randall from the College of Western Idaho and Kyle Stedman from Rockford University. Ryan's personal website includes a simple, effective colophon for all the right reasons. In his words, if you make something cool, consider letting others know how. On that page, he notes that whenever possible, he links to WorldCat entries for the books that he references, intentionally supporting libraries and free access to information. This struck a chord with me because for years, as editor of Hybrid Pedagogy, I insisted that we should never link to Amazon web pages for book references, opting instead for Google Books pages, if not the publisher's book page, which I figured was less blatantly capitalist. Ryan takes the idea a step further, and I appreciate how he articulated his link-level design principles right on his page. I want to offer similar thinking here for why I made many of my choices for the design of hybrid teaching. For Kyle's part, he directly inspired me to make this audio project in the first place. Kyle took the open access collection Bad Ideas About Writing and worked to create it in audio form. He reached out to all of the contributing authors, read chapters himself when necessary, and produced a really excellent product, complete with accessible ideas and a faithful reproduction of a print text. Kyle also ended that audio project with a final reflective episode in which he explains how and why he did his work. I thoroughly enjoyed listening to his thinking and blushed when he gave a shout-out to this project you're currently listening to. Way to throw a gauntlet there, Kyle. I see you. So, following the leads of Ryan's and Kyle's work, let's dive into why I created hybrid teaching and where this journey has led. Back in 2020, I was preparing to change institutions, and my work with hybrid pedagogy slowed considerably. Seeing the writing on the wall, longtime colleague and mentor Jesse Stommel suggested that I create a collection of hybrid pedagogy articles I could present in book form. Jesse had previously worked with Sean Michael Morris to create the collection An Urgency of Teachers, and the three of us worked together to build what essentially became a sequel, Critical Digital Pedagogy, a Collection. Seeing an opportunity to release a Part 3 to this series, I set out a few goals for the project. First, it must be responsive to the immediate urgencies of its time. For a collection created in the United States in 2020, that meant openly acknowledging eroding confidence in political structures previous generations could take for granted. It also meant 
openly acknowledging the tenuous condition of academic labor, both in terms of slashes to public funding and public confidence in the importance of higher education, but also in terms of the special awfulness faced by an exploited workforce and marginalized populations. And, of course, it meant looking back to recent takes on online pedagogy when the very nature of online learning tectonically shifted before our eyes thanks to the global pandemic. That was a lot to take in. I quickly realized the book would focus on three things I've always found intrinsically linked, but that in 2020 were made obviously inseparable. Our pedagogy as critical progressive educators, the way education works with, for, and because of the people involved, and the bilateral influences of classrooms and political situations alike. I felt if I could present those issues, I could capture a sense of higher education in the shadow of a pandemic and rising nationalism, both on a global scale. I discussed why I selected each chapter in my introduction to the book, so I'll skip those details here. But I will say how thrilled I was with how well the chapters fit together and play off each other to create a portrait of the complex and challenging terrain in which we do our work. When building the print book, I wanted it to make sense as a part three of a trilogy that started with an urgency of teachers, but I wanted a different look and feel to the text. One of the things that has always set hybrid pedagogy apart from other journals is the prominence and boldness of the images associated with each of its articles. I can't tell you how many times I've talked with folks who can't recall the name of an article they're discussing, but they know the picture associated with that text. I myself often think of that article with the big green light when talking with others about risk-taking as an instructor. By the way, it's Sam Hamilton's Risk-Taking is a Form of Playing It Safe. I had to look it up before recording this. The thought of creating a collection of hybrid pedagogy texts that didn't preserve that visual emphasis seemed wrong. I wanted to keep that sense of assertion we make through our use of images. The first two books in this series, Urgency of Teachers and CDP A Collection, were built in press books, which made rapid creation, deployment, and export to print-on-demand booksellers simple. But it doesn't allow for the aesthetic I wanted. I threw caution and reason to the wind and built the book in ZLaTeX, a typesetting system that's virtually unknown in the humanities, but that lets me obsess over the look and feel of the finished book. That came in handy when Jacob Gowell mentioned to me that he would like to see a version of the book designed to print on a home or office printer that would save ink and paper. So with that, an image-free version with pages that fill letter size or A4 paper was quick and easy to make, as was a full-color edition great for e-readers. Basically, I tried to make an edition that would meet most anyone's needs. Then I realized my own needs weren't met. I prefer reading with my ears, not my eyes, a habit I picked up from my late paternal grandfather, who was blind, and who passed on his love of audiobooks to me. I wanted to be able to listen to the collection, not just look at it. At about the same time, Kyle Stedman was working on an audio version of Bad Ideas About Writing, another collection published with Creative Commons licensing. Hearing what he did with that book inspired me to do the same with this one. Following Kyle's lead, I reached out to the authors to see how many would support a crazy project like this, turning their work, in some cases nearly a decade old, into audio for a different audience and delivery method. I fully expected only a handful of authors would be interested, and that I'd spend most of the time recording everyone else's work in my own voice. I've never been so happy to be so wrong. 
As you've heard, nearly all of the 27 chapters of this book were read by their respective authors, creating a tapestry of voice, tone, and style as diverse as the ideas they express. Bringing these authors' voices to you has been an absolute joy. Many of these folks have never done any spoken word recording before, and I had a ton of fun listening to their work, especially including their flubs. To help me edit, I asked authors to clap their hands when they made a mistake reading so I couldn't miss the need for an edit, because when you clap in an audio recording, the waveform includes this really solid vertical line that's impossible to visually miss when you're editing. Yes, clapping at yourself after you make a mistake is exactly as ridiculous as you think it sounds, and it often made readers smile when they did it. I could hear their tone change to something a bit less serious, and sometimes folks would stumble three times in a row and almost applaud themselves out of frustration. Part of me wanted to create a montage of the delightful, profane excerpts when people got completely tongue-tied, but I don't need to air out the author's dirty laundry, as it were. But if you ever do an audio project, I thoroughly recommend clapping on goofs. Every time it happened, the readers sounded measurably better afterward. Once I had the chapter narrations, I jumped into my clothes closet to record the intro and outro lines before mixing everything together in GarageBand and uploading the finished product to Anchor.fm. I dashed together some episode cover art, again keeping each article recognizable by its associated image from hyperpedagogy, using OmniGraffle. I doubt a more detailed account of my process would come in handy here. If you're looking for a bit more specifics, feel free to reach out or consider jumping over to the reflective episode Kyle made at the end of Bad Ideas About Writing, because his recording and editing processes sound eerily similar to mine, minus that clapping business I just talked about. One thing Kyle discussed in that reflective episode that I really want to amplify is the notion of building audio into academic scholarship more broadly and more consistently. I know a lot of folks who enjoy reading books in their audio format, and a handful of folks who, like my late grandfather, can't access them until they're in audio format. With academic writing, that rarely happens until someone writes a mass-market monograph. Scholarship is dense and dry enough as it is. Can you imagine having to listen to it through a mechanical screen reader? It would be awful. How much better would it be if our favorite scholarly journals could come to us like our favorite popular podcasts? Or how much better would it be if the latest scholarly monographs in our fields were available where we get our audiobooks? And how would each form of publication change if it were created with both print and audio destinations in mind? We might rethink the nature of citation, and we might put a bit more attention into the narrative or affective sides of our work. But more than anything, I think we draw more attention to the humanity of our work, the human interactions enabled by the human voice reaching out via sound waves to touch the ear of the listener. I'd love to see scholarship lean more personal, and I think sound could help us move in the right direction. As Kyle said in his reflection, What if open access publishers published with audiobooks in mind? Maybe with a plan, maybe even like with seeking out people who want to do that sort of thing and building it into the contract, making it something that is not something that someone has to do outside of the license they choose, but as as a built-in part of it, built-in part of the contract, maybe even training, helping the author themselves produce it. Interesting idea, right? Right. There's a lot to explore here, and I hope we continue looking at ways to make audio part of our normal publishing processes. 
I'd also be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to Hannah McGregor and the work she's doing with the Amplify Podcast Network, working to redefine and legitimize scholarly episodic audio work. I'm really hopeful that in the coming years, we'll see academic scholarship branch out beyond traditional journal articles and into more vibrant, accessible, and rich forms of communication. And with that, I'll bring this little bonus episode to a close. Thanks to the large handful of listeners who have come along for this ride. I really hope you've enjoyed hearing these amazing authors and their compelling ideas just as much as I've enjoyed bringing them to you. I've learned a lot from this project, and I hope it's challenged each of us to think more deeply about our work and our pedagogies. So, one last time, let's roll the credits. This serialized audiobook version of Hybrid Teaching, Pedagogy, People, Politics is available wherever you find podcasts. I'm Chris Friend, collection editor, podcast producer, and host. I tweet at Chris underscore Friend and teach at Kane University in Union, New Jersey. The theme music for this project is Where Was I? from Lee Rosevere. That song, as well as the text and audio of Hybrid Teaching, are all licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, which means they can be reused with author acknowledgement. Licenses like these make multimedia works like this simpler to create, and I'm especially grateful to each of the authors for allowing their material to be reused in this format. And I'm also grateful to you. Thanks for listening.